my friends, I was just uh, out for a little run, and I had what's called the runner's high, where all of a sudden you just feel invincible, like you can just go, and the only way I can describe it is as the complete opposite feeling of wanting to quit, which is something, I mean, I wanted to quit so many times, so many things. As a kid, I just wanted to quit out of fear. I didn't even want to get started. As an adult, I wanted to quit because I'm tired or confused or simply because I don't have anything left in the tank. I think we can all relate to this idea of quitting. Something that I've shared in the past is that quitting is uh, a powerful thing as it's a moment of awareness that allows you to realize that there's something that is no longer working for you, that is no longer serving you. And it's time to say no to that thing. Sometimes people don't know what that is, but I think for the most part, when we sit down and reflect or just allow our intuition to take over, we know what that thing is. And that's why quitting is so powerful because it's saying no to something. Specifically saying no to something that doesn't serve you anymore, that doesn't add value to you anymore. The problem is that a lot of times we're so attached to that thing that no longer serves us, adds value to us, that we become paralyzed, scared, shitless, because we don't know what's on the other side. We, we're, we're uncertain that this is the right choice, even though we know it's causing us a burden, even harm. But there's a point that I think we all get to, which is what we could call the breaking point, the point where you can no longer handle carrying that weight anymore, that you impulsively let go, break free. And sometimes that can be dramatic or chaotic, but is our body's way of doing it for us. What I have enjoyed is getting ahead of that moment, getting ahead of the moment where my body takes over and I spiral into this chaotic state that makes me do the thing I know I need to do but without having control. And in order to get ahead of that, I simply practice some forethought, some mindfulness. I simply become aware. And how do I do this? Well, I just take inventory and I check in with myself and I ask myself, is this serving me? Is this helping me? Do I love this? Do I enjoy this? Does this add value to what I'm doing? And when I do that, it allows me to now, with uh, cautious and deliberate approach, to make new decisions. Anyways, while I was on my run, 
I was thinking about this idea of quitting and how quitting is saying no to one thing and saying yes to something else. And sometimes what we're saying yes to is doubling down on something that we're already doing, but we know that if we double down on it, it's going to give us more than double the return. And that excites me. So quitting is not just letting go of something that doesn't serve us, but it's doubling down on something that does in a way that gives us exponential returns. The other side of quitting, and this is something that I've shared here before, is that quitting is also giving up. And giving up, the way that I like to look at, look at it, is as gifting, giving up. Gifting up to something bigger than I am right now. Something greater than I am right now. And anytime one gifts something, gives something, especially when it comes from a place of generosity, it feels great. So quitting is not only saying no to something, but also yes to something else. And at the same time, it's gifting us, gifting ourselves something. When we say yes to this thing, we triple down, we double down on this thing that is serving us. We're giving ourselves a gift. We're giving our higher selves a gift. And it feels amazing. In addition to that, quitting is not only giving up, but it's also this idea of surrendering. I used to have a lot of resistance towards this idea of surrendering. What do you mean? I'm going to just surrender? I'm not going to fight? I'm not going to try? No, no, that's not what it is. Surrendering is really the idea of letting go of the things that are out of your control. And as I say this, you're like, duh, I knew that. But somehow you and I, we continue to get trapped and refuse to surrender, refuse to allow ourselves to go with the flow. And there's something that happens when you surrender where when you do it deliberately, you simply choose to let go and to allow the flow of life to guide you, where you become way more competent. You start to perform better because now instead of trying to hold on to everything, trying to control everything, trying to make things work in your favor, you're actually tackling the thing that's right in front of you. And when you start to tackle that which is right in front of you, you not only become more present and in the moment, and by be becoming more present and in the moment, dropping depression, which is simply having the weight of the past on your shoulders. You drop also your anxiety. You're no longer worrying about the next thing. You're simply tackling this thing that's right in front of you right now. What happens is that you also become better. <laughs> you, you actually start to develop yourself in the ways that you currently need. And when you start to develop yourselves in the ways that you currently need, you have this moment, this sigh of relief, this, this moment where you feel like, yes, everything is okay. Everything is exactly how it's supposed to be. And this, my friends, is um, 
my little intro to today's show, which um, is about this framework that I have talked about many times before, but I thought I would just dive into a little bit deeper today, which is the idea of having content coupled with a network and coupled with an economy. And this being something that I started thinking about maybe a decade ago as my career was starting to evolve. So with that being said, let's get into it. This is the Freestyle Way. Okay, so this idea of content, network, and economy as a framework for thinking about growth and about development and finding some balance within that growth, especially when it comes to our profession, dates back to approximately 2011, 2012, for me specifically. And this was when I had broken into the, (laughs) it sounds dramatic, but broken into the CrossFit scene and started to garnish some attention around that which I was sharing with gymnastics applied to fitness. And all of a sudden, having this opportunity for business growth, where there was an economy, there were finances, there was an influx of cash coming my way, so to speak. I had tapped into a network, a community, a group of people who were excited not only about that which I was sharing, but how I was sharing it. And it was because they were on a common path. And the common path was to become as fit as possible through CrossFit. And that network was way greater than the network I could have ever accessed in person because now I had access to them online. And this was not only through various websites like CrossFit.com, the CrossFit Journal, etc., but also social media, which was uh, booming at that time. And realizing that it was all influenced or informed rather by the content that I was sharing, which, as I said, was gymnastics applied to fitness. And this to me was exciting because it gave me an idea of where the dials were on how I could turn on or off the economy. I could activate or deactivate the network, and I could um, inform the activation of that network through the content that I was creating. In other words, I felt like I had these levers that I could pull on and work with to create specific outcomes for myself. And around 2011, 2012, what happened was after a lifetime as a young kid being a gymnast and wanting to become a professional athlete, I, after retirement from gymnastics, and now being a coach, got my first official sponsor. I became a sponsored coach. I'd never heard of anything like that before. And I specifically was sponsored by Reebok. And the person that helped get me in with Reebok was Chad Whitman. And Chad, if you ever listen to this or somebody is listening who knows Chad Whitman, 
Chad opened the doors for me and gave me access to information and knowledge that I had never experienced before and was willing to invest in me. And this is an aside, but I think it will tie in nicely to that which I'm sharing on this episode, which is that when I had now in 2014 decided to not re-sign my contract with Reebok and become part of the investment group of Strike Movement, I had the opportunity to travel to Seoul, South Korea to teach a seminar. And Reebok, because of Chad Whitman, who had now moved to Seoul, South Korea, and was um, the head of Reebok there, Reebok decided to support me in coming out to teach this seminar, helped me sell the seminar, uh, sent a car to pick me up. They recorded um, a little documentary, short one, that later went on to be featured on their feeds. In this little video piece that they did, they allowed me to wear Strike Movement, They helped me with uh, changing my flights and tickets uh, when I had a flight that got canceled um, to Japan after that. I mean, they went all out. And I was wondering, why are they doing this when I am part of a competitor? So we were out for lunch, and I asked Chad, you know, I'm, I'm, I just said, I'm, I'm super thankful for all the support you've given me. And I, I, I have tons of uh, gratitude for it, but I, I, I'm scratching my head here and I'm wondering wh- why would you do this? And Chad told me the following. He said, you may not be part of Reebok anymore. You may even be invested in a competitor of ours, but the content that you're creating makes our network, our community better, and thus improves our economy. It's the right thing to do. And I had never heard anybody in the business space say something like that before. So for me, that was a huge paradigm shift, and it allowed me to understand this framework of content, network, and economy much better. So I think I already gave away the um, the take-home message. Invest in your content that will transcend your network. Realize that the network, when it's improved, the community is improved, the audience is improved, the economy follows, and vice versa. That's That's the point. Okay. Let's dive into the different components of this framework, content, network, and economy. And let's start with this little visual, which would be content at the center. Outside of content, we would have the network. And outside of the network, we would have the economy. So three concentric circles in the middle content, outside of that the network, and outside of that one, the economy. Now, in terms of content, content is the soul of that which you share. This is the information that you have. And something that I've said many times here, but I'm going to say it again, is that it's important to realize that what you know, that information that you have, 
compiled into uh, the material that we could call your knowledge only is a value when you are able to put it into context. And your ability to put knowledge into context is what not only allows you to be impactful, contribute value, but also gives you, the creator, the content creator, a greater understanding of that which you know. Now, why is this important? Well, because content is akin to the soul of a creator's message. So something to keep in mind when we're thinking about content is to produce content, to share content, to um, bring that which we know to the world in a way that is, one, practical, this is applicable, two, digestible, meaning that it's something that when you consume it, you can actually process it, and then ultimately shareable. And shareable is this idea that when you learn something, you feel compelled to share it with somebody else, to pass it on. And this is how content influences our network, our community. You know something, you want to share it, now you're connecting with somebody else, and you're integrating them into this knowledge bank, this uh, knowledge database of individuals, this network of people. Now, in addition to content being relatable, it also has to be a two-way street, meaning the content that we produce needs to be a dialogue, not a monologue. So for example, I'm sitting here right now in an empty room talking to you. I can't be thinking one-way street. I am imagining you on the other side. And as I'm sharing that which is alive in me, which is I'm thinking about this framework right now and why it's important to me, that as I share this with you, I am leaving the doors open for you to share your experience back with me. And in order for this to happen, I need to be connected to the material. I can't be reading off of a script. I need to be feeling that which I'm saying. So that's the first part about creating a dialogue. The second thing is you need to create a mechanism for that exchange to happen, that dialogue to occur. So for example, here in the podcast format, as I've shared now in several podcasts, for example, on Spotify, I can leave a question about today's podcast and you can answer that question. But you also know that you can find me on social media and direct message me. A lot of you do that and I appreciate that. And that tells me that what I'm sharing is not a monologue, but rather a dialogue. And what happens is that a lot of times when we have a two-way street, the content that I'm creating is influenced by you and by the information that you have. And it's influenced because your relationship, your relatability, your relationship to that content makes you feel something. It makes it be alive. And what happens when we have an exchange of information or energy like this? Well, that's when we start to resonate with something. And this idea of resonating with content is this thing that happens to us humans when we are, for example, 
watching a good movie or at a concert or listening to music. We feel something in our bodies that uh, we can connect to. And this idea of resonating also matches the, I would say, power of content, which is to bring out transformational moments, adaptive moments. And I guess um, to to summarize this idea of content, I, I have to quote Maya Angelou once again, who said that people will forget what you said, they'll forget what you did, but they'll never forget how you made them feel. Thus, it's not about what you say or what you do, it's how you do it. That's as cliche as it gets, but it's the how that makes something a dialogue, that makes something relatable, that makes something soulful. So that's content. When we're thinking about content, we want to make sure that we lean into those things. Now, what is network? Network is a community. It's a group of people who are connected by information, resources, something of value, and have a system or a mechanism for exchanging that value. At the most basic level, what we're trying to do is we're trying to build a network of people that are based on genuine relationships. So it's not just Instagram followers. It's people who we are in connection to, that we are in dialogue with. And why is this so important? Well, because just like I said, in terms of the content, when you have a dialogue, what you're really doing is you're co-authoring a product, an expression, with the people that you are in dialogue with. And this idea of co-authoring something is what allows you to get access to your highest potential, not only as an individual, but also collectively. And this is something that I truly believe in. I believe in individualism. I believe in every single person being unique and special. But they are only as unique and special as they are able to connect and influence and be influenced by the collective, by every single human being that we are capable or one is capable of holding in their awareness, holding in their mental space. And as many of you know, I, I co-authored my book, Freestyle, with uh, Tony Sherbandi. And if I hadn't co-authored it with him and worked with the amazing designers that uh, were Nick D'Amico and uh, my friend Smitty, uh, the book wouldn't have become what it is today. So without Ryan Smith, Nick D'Amico, and Tony Sherbandi, Carl Powley would not have been able to produce a book that was as impactful as it became. So co-authoring is extremely powerful. But every relationship, as you can imagine, comes with challenges. And learning to overcome these challenges is key. And this is where communication comes into play. And this is where uh, my call to action, once again, is lean into two things. One, nonviolent communication as taught by Marshall Rosenberg. That's one. And the other one is 
performance-based communication as taught by Thomas Reed. Read those two books, Task, which is performance-based communication by Thomas Reed, and Nonviolent Communication by Marshall Rosenberg. And you will have, I want to say, uh, 90% of your communication problems solved. This is what's going to allow you to overcome. And if you care about being a meaningful communicator, I would also encourage you to become, to some degree, a leader. And a leader is simply a person who is self-directed and autonomous. And in the words of Ron Heifetz, is uh, willing and able to mobilize people to overcome obstacles with the objective of coming out on the other side triumphant. And if you can do that, I think you can do a lot. And this is where I pulled a quote from Helen Keller that says that alone we can do so little, together we can do so much. It's about getting more out of this thing we call life. And the way that we get more, we enjoy more, we are more, is by being in connection with the people that are around us and to be actively engaged. And when we engage, what happens? Well, then that's when we access this level of economy. And economy being the act of being able to manage resources. And the way that I like to think about this is uh, if we just take the word economy, eco is home, NAMI is management, is how do you manage your home? And what are those resources that are important to you? This may be money. This may be your time. This may be your energy. This may even be your relationships. The moment you become aware of what resources are important for you to manage and you begin to manage them, what ends up happening is that you not only get a good idea of where you are within your economy, this is not only financial economy, now it's your personal economy, you can also start to set goals uh, to where you want to go. And this influences your network, and that also influences your content. Furthermore, what it does is it gives your content a measurable value. And I share this with you today because it has helped me tremendously to simply have this framework in my mind when thinking about building relationships and specifically building relationships within my professional career, where when it's challenging to find a way of collaborating or working together, uh, it's always going back to content. How do we get to a place where we can co-author better content? How can my content influence yours in a positive way? And how can your content influence mine in a positive way? If we can get there, now we have a connection. Once we have the connection made, we plugged into each other, what happens is that you start to build trust. And now you as a content creator get access to my network. And I as a content creator get access to your network. In many ways, what I've done is I've just expanded my reach. I've just expanded my access to new opportunities, to new influences. And if I have a mechanism that allows me to exchange this value, whether it's through content, resources, or money, now I have an economy. 
And at this level, learning to manage my economy, not only the flow of resources, but also the relationships, now my content is becoming more robust. It's getting deeper and thus being more informative and applicable. And thus, uh, the cycle continues to go and I start to access new levels of performance. This is, for me, the ultimate goal is to feel like I'm getting better. So hopefully this little uh, framework content network economy gave you some insight or at least allowed you to think a little bit different about some of these topics. And if you found some value in today's episode, as always, I'll ask you to drop me a little rating, a little review. And maybe if you're listening on Spotify, answer the little question that I leave or contact me on Instagram or other social media platforms with a little question. I would love to continue the conversation there. So for now, much love. Thank you for listening to another episode and I'll see you. Well, I won't see you. I always say that. I will speak to you on the next one. Bye, everybody. This is the Freestyle Way.